You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AMs, The Morning Buzz. And we're talking about how Nikki Haley finally gets her solo showdown with Donald Trump in the New Hampshire primary today. And the purpose of the primaries is to choose the next Republican candidate. When he's speaking to Jovian Radeshwar, he's in the Department of Political Science at Douglas College. Jovian, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me, Monkey Ren. Good to hear from you again. So for us Canadians, right, especially not being familiar with this system, what exactly are the primaries all about? So in the U.S., there's a long period of nominating contests that precede the final election, and the majority of them, the vast majority of them, are what we call primaries, which are sort of like a pre-election election. election. Um, States like Iowa and a few other states also have what are called caucuses, and caucuses are elections that basically are held on a much smaller basis on a sort of older-fashioned voting system with a bit of a consensus drafting process. Um, Those tend to be a bit more closed and uh, also generally a bit more conservative, whereas primaries tend to be a bit more of an open process. People from different parties, for example, can cross over and vote for Republicans or Democrats in many of the states, including, of course, New Hampshire today. And this one's a really big deal, right? Because we saw that in Iowa. Trump took that one. He won it. So for Nikki Haley, right, in New Hampshire, how important is it for her to win this? Because let's say Trump wins it. Does that mean it's kind of the end for her? Yeah, if Trump wins, it's pretty much over, I'd say, um, especially if he wins by any kind of a reasonable margin, say 20 or 25 points. Um, He's currently up in the polls around 20 or 25 points. Um, of course, the polling can be a bit volatile in New Hampshire because of the fact that it's an open primary state, so Democrats and independents could even conceivably vote in the uh, Republican primary. And one of the very interesting things about this particular contest today is that Biden is himself not on the ballot in the Democratic uh, primary uh, because Biden was actually um, uh, interested in getting the primary state's order shifted around to have a more representative state than New Hampshire be an earlier state, say a state like California, for example. Um, so the Democrats in New Hampshire have actually not put Biden on the ballot. So the uh, Biden voters, uh, at least some of them, have been discussing strategically voting for Nikki Haley in the Republican primary, but it's unclear if that's going to be enough of a numbers boost for her to overcome Trump. And it it seems like, just as an observer here, it seems like with the Republican Party, most seem to be siding on the side of Trump. Are you finding that, Jovian? Like, is there any sort of divide within the Republican Party itself? You know, absolutely not. Um, The the Trump campaign has pretty much locked up the Republican vote. Uh, They are able to be in a position of... um, kind of controlling the symbolic space of the imagination of the Republican voter um, with recent polls that say that, quote-unquote, immigration is now the number one issue in the United States. Trump's hardline rhetoric on those issues uh, in the last many years now um, will, I think, carry him over the top uh, by a long shot. And, of course, he's also trotted out racialized insults against uh Nikki Haley, who, of course, is a South Asian American woman, uh, the child of immigrants from India who came to the United States many decades ago. Um, so, yeah, this is, uh, I'd say it's going to be the end for her. I, I'd be very surprised if she manages to get a reasonable percentage. And recently this morning on my way into work, I saw some news articles on The Guardian, for example, talking about how she's thinking about her uh, next primary competitions already, like in South Carolina, where she was previously governor, and in other Super Tuesday states coming up in early March. But I just don't think she's going to be able to hang on that long. Uh, The donors are already starting to shift towards Trump. 
some of them had shown some preference for Haley, but just recently, Jamie Dimon of uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, the CEO of that bank, was starting to praise Trump. Uh, there's been discussions at the World Economic Forum in Davos that the uh, people who are meeting at that particular meeting of global economic elites are already pretty much prepared for a even not just a Trump nomination for the Republican Party, but a Trump presidency, as he, of course, is polling uh, in a better position than Biden right now, too. And what was really big news not too long ago, too, is we had Ron DeSantis, who was one of the candidates, but he dropped out of the race and he endorsed Trump. And we're noticing that it seems like anybody who kind of stepped out of this race, they immediately endorsed Trump. Do you think that's also part of what is giving Trump sort of the lead in all these? Uh, certainly, it's undeniable. Um, there has been some uh, desire on parts of the Republican electorate to move beyond Trump, um, not his policies, but the controversy, the instability of his overall character. Um, but it's also clear that he, they still consider him to be the most sort of forward spokesperson on their issues. So, um, you know, he might get a little bit of a boost from that sort of thing, but I uh, think it doesn't matter for the most part. Um, if they didn't do the endorsement, then he'd still be able to gobble up a lot of those DeSantis voters and potentially Haley voters. I know, of course, uh, Ramaswamy also um, endorsed Trump, even though, of course, Ramaswamy was also the recipient of racialized insults from Trump after um, Ramaswamy was defeated by Trump in Iowa about you know a week ago. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the other thing, Jovian, that really kind of stands out is that we have Trump currently who is facing lawsuits, yet that doesn't seem to really sway people's view on him. Why do you think that is? Um, that's a, you know, very sort of good and tough question. Um, I, I, I'll, of course, answer it because I think it's a very important question, but it's one that's not asked enough by um, journalists. So I, I applaud you for asking that. Um, and we need to ask Republican voters and conservatives the same question as much as possible. The sense that I get is that they are making a peace with a certain sort of demeanor that Trump has and are just simply not valuing, for example, the dignity of E. Jean Carroll, for example, who, of course, um, I think you might be alluding to in your question about the lawsuits and the, um, the, the fact that a judge has already found that Trump indeed did sexually assault Eugene Carroll and the fact that Republican voters, supposedly Christians, are not uh, angry about this sort of behavior, I think says a lot about their lack of moral values. And, you know, Jovian, okay, let's say it's looking like Trump is going to have this in the bag and become the Republican candidate. And if it becomes, you know, Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, I mean, who do you see becoming the next president? If you were to guess here, if you had a crystal ball. Um, I think that there's a very strong likelihood that Trump will win. Joe Biden is not somebody that's um, really um, motivating voters at this point. Um, He's somebody that uh, obviously now has a lot of baggage around his uh, neck with regard to the situation of um, his unqualified support of um, uh, the Israelis and their attack on Gaza. This is affecting, of course, a lot of Muslim Americans who are um, the swing state voters in places like Michigan, and not just Muslim Americans, but those who stand with Palestinians and with the people of Gaza who are not Muslim, who are allies for in the cause of human rights, a lot of them are going to have a very difficult time um, accepting that they have no choice other than Biden or Trump. And while many will decide to vote for Biden anyway, because, of course, it's pretty quick to realize that, you know, Trump would be worse on those issues, you know, it's going to be very, very difficult for Biden to motivate 
uh, voters to come out. So it's possible that Biden wins, but if you had to ask me in terms of my special crystal ball this morning, I'd have to say I'm fearful of a Trump presidency. And what would a Trump administration also mean for Canada-U.S. relations? Because we saw that years ago. There was kind of tension between the two of our countries, a little between Trudeau and Trump. So what would it mean for us? Yeah, I think that the unfortunate thing is that the Trump administration, if it was to come back into power, would have a very testy relationship with Canada. They've already shown that they're willing to do uh, pretty challenging things with other NATO allies. And, of course, they've pivoted um, under Trump many years ago, right, uh, during the, the first Trump presidency. Um, they, they pivoted uh, in a direction more favorable towards Russia, more favorable towards the Saudis and other, I would say, autocratic interests on the global stage. And as long as Canada can continues to represent uh, liberal democracy, multiculturalism, the Pierre and Justin Trudeau vision of Canada, um, it's uh, very likely that a new Trump administration would have very, very testy relations with Canada. And honestly, I I would be worried. I think it's possible that uh, a lot more could happen than we would even expect. Okay, Jovan, I'm going to leave it at that. As always, appreciate your insight. Thank you so much. You take care. Thank you so much, Monkey Run. You take care, too. Bye.